0: Hey everybody, this is Bob Z, the Pastor of Joy Christian Fellowship. I want to thank you for tuning into our podcast. I hope it's a word that will encourage you today. Let's remember in these challenging times we're living that God is still in control and that his love for us endures forever. Amen. God bless. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, because I want to see you. We want to see you high and lifted up shining in light of your glory pour out your power and love on us lord as we sing holy 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 i pray you would open the eyes of our hearts here this morning lord because we want to see you too give us a greater awareness of your presence here this morning because we know you're here but may we be more aware of your presence, I pray. Amen. I told you earlier we were going to be talking about our eyesight and seeing more clearly this morning. So the title of this morning's message is Open Our Eyes, Lord. We're going to be in mainly Luke chapter 24, but a few, other, a few other scriptures that tie in with this. So Lord, open the eyes of our heart. Open our ears. Give us ears to hear what your spirit is speaking to this church this morning, we pray. We're here for a purpose. We're here for a reason. And i got to believe that you got a word for us. So give us ears to hear it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Open the eyes of our hearts. That was the Apostle Paul's prayer in his letter to the Ephesians. And I believe it's a prayer for every one of us here this morning. Paul, as you know, was dramatically healed of a condition that no eye doctor could ever heal back when he was on that Damascus Road as that Christian-hating Saul of Tarsus. You remember that life-changing encounter he had with Jesus on the Damascus Road. Now, Saul of Tarsus, he might have had 20-20 vision at the time, but he suffered from a terrible condition called spiritual blindness. And a lot of people today still suffer from this condition. But the good news is that there is a cure, and the cure today is the same cure the Apostle Paul received back when he was still Saul of Tarsus, and that cure is a personal encounter with Jesus, right? That's what it takes. We could hear preaching all day long. We could listen to songs and sing songs all day long, but unless we have an encounter with the risen Jesus, then uh, we're never going to get over some of this stuff. And I think that's why Paul wrote to the Ephesians in chapter 1. It's not on the screen, but in verse 18, he prayed, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. One translation says "The heart, your hearts be flooded with light by the Holy Spirit. It's not these eyes, but it's the eyes of our heart may be enlightened in order that you may know, Paul prays, the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Paul's telling us, I want you to realize what a rich and what a glorious inheritance God has given to his people. Now our closing verse from last Sunday was the Apostle Peter giving us assurance that our inheritance is safe. We can't really depend on the world's banking systems or the economy of this nation or retirement funds or accounts or stock market investments, all that stuff is on shaky ground right now but we can 100 percent depend on our inheritance that god is keeping for us right it's not on the screen but in first peter in chapter one this was our closing verse last week on resurrection sunday peter wrote praise be to the god and father of our lord jesus christ in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead And here it comes. And into an inheritance that can never perish, never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Wow. That's such good news. If you're a child of God, that's good news. If you're in Christ and Christ is in you, then this is a guaranteed inheritance and nothing, nothing can take it away. If our economy collapses, if the stock market crashes, none of that will threaten this inheritance that is kept safe in heaven for us. We've got to remember that everything here is temporary. We cling to this stuff like it's forever. And I think that's why Jesus, the greatest financial advisor ever, tells us in Matthew 6, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also. So the question is where is our treasure? What, what do we value the most? What do we focus on? Maybe our, maybe our vision's a little... Cloudy, a little blurry when it comes to what we're focusing on. Saul of Tarsus was focused on persecuting Christians, but Jesus corrected his vision, didn't he? Maybe some of us need our vision corrected this morning. Maybe, maybe we need to ask the Lord to open our eyes this morning so, so that we can see more clearly. I mean, the Bible's filled with all kinds of advice and direction to help us see more clearly. These aren't on the screen, but, but here's just a few verses from God's word to help us. Jesus himself tells us in John's gospel, chapter 8, verse 12, he says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, if you've ever walked around in the darkness without a flashlight, without a candle, without any kind of light, it's easy to, it's easy to bump into stuff. It's easy to trip over stuff and fall and hurt ourselves. There are people still walking in darkness today, even on a bright sunny day. There's, you could tell they 're walking in darkness. Psalm one nineteen verse eighteen tells us, "Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law." See some people mistakenly think the Bible is just a book full of regulations of do 's and don 'ts, but they need their eyes open so so they can see the wonderful things in it, the wonderful truths, the wonderful promises in the bible now jesus tells us in matthew 6 that the eye is the lamp of the body think about that the eye is the lamp of the whole body what we take in with these two things right here what we see is the lamp of this whole body and jesus says if your eyes are good your whole body will be full of light A pure eye lets sunshine into your soul but if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And we can go on and on about all the scriptures in the Bible that talk about our eyes and about seeing or not seeing, but I want, I want us to think back to, to last Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, the celebration of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And like I said, every Sunday we celebrate his resurrection today because we're resurrection people, right? His resurrection is our resurrection. But that women at that empty tomb... Remember when the angel said, why are you looking for the living among you? They weren't looking for the living, were they? They were looking for the dead. They were bringing lotions and ointments and perfume and spices, believing they were going to see the dead body of Jesus. That's what they were expecting to see with their eyes. And even when Mary saw the resurrected Jesus with her own two eyes, she still didn't think it was him. She thought he was a gardener. Wondered, what do you do? with the body of my my lord later on that same day on resurrection day jesus showed up and surprised his disciples but thomas wasn't there remember and jesus leaves and thomas shows back up and i said we've seen the lord seen him with our own eyes he was here thomas says nah i don't believe that i'm not buying that and then he says unless i see Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and unless I put my finger where the nails were, I ain't going to believe that. Well, sure enough, a week later, Jesus comes back. Thomas is there this time. And he says, hey, Thomas, my doubting friend, come here. Come here, buddy. Puts his hand. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Put your finger in there. That's what you wanted to do. See, seeing was believing for Thomas. He wouldn't believe it unless he saw it. And Jesus accommodated him. But Jesus told him, because you have seen me, now you believe. He said, but blessed are those who have not seen me and still believe. That would include us. Here's another story from that same day, the day of Jesus' resurrection that I want us to look at. It's a pretty well-known story of two of Jesus' followers who were walking alongside of him, even talking with him. And neither one of them knew it was Jesus. Of course, I'm talking about the two who were on the Emmaus road walking home after their time in Jerusalem for the Passover and the devastating crucifixion and death of Jesus. You all know Dan just recently went on the Emmaus walk, and he had a close walk with Jesus there for a few days. And here's these two guys. I think they're guys. It could be a guy and his wife. We only know one's name is Cleopas. But all their hopes all their dreams of a new kingdom with jesus as their king finally free from the romans ruling over them all those hopes and dreams died that day on that cross with Jesus' mutilated body what a sight that must have been to see Whew. so these two are leaving jerusalem they're they're heading home and I imagine they're they're just shuffling along their hearts are heavy Their hearts are broken, just slowly making their way back. So we're going to join them in in Luke's gospel. This is in chapter 24 of Luke, beginning in verse 13. It says, that same day, that's the day of the resurrection that they didn't know about yet. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. Verse 15 through 17, as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. Notice that it doesn't say they didn't recognize him. It says God kept them from recognizing him. So Jesus asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Jesus' question just stopped these guys in their tracks. They stopped short. So let's pause right there for a minute. We can learn something from this scene right here on the road to Emmaus. These two people heading to Emmaus from Jerusalem. They're talking about everything that had happened, obviously the the bloody crucifixion of their new leader, Jesus. All their hopes and dreams are gone. They're so consumed, though, with the event, and they're probably obviously shocked, brokenhearted, disillusioned, confused, all the emotions. They're so consumed with all this that they don't even recognize Jesus walking right alongside of them. Now it says God kept them from recognizing him. Their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And we too, we can be so consumed with an event in our lives, a disappointment, Uh, a tragedy, some really bad news. We can get so wrapped up in a woe-is-me mentality that we wouldn't recognize Jesus either. And I believe we need to be more sensitive and more aware of his presence in the midst of our circumstances because he's there. He doesn't leave us. Sure feels like it sometimes, though, doesn't it? But when we focus more on our situation than we do on Jesus, we're going to have a hard time recognizing him. Remember the story of blind Bartimaeus? He was so popular somebody even wrote a song about him. But Jesus heals Bartimaeus. And it reads in Mark's Gospel in chapter 10, immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. What road? The road to Jerusalem, right? That's where Jesus was headed. It says Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. You remember? So Bartimaeus is following Jesus along the road to Jerusalem. Once he could see, he knows where to go now. And Jesus tells us, I'm the way, I'm the path to walk, I'm the gate, I'm I'm the door. All these metaphors of journeying and walking and, and following are pointing to the right spiritual path for us, the path of following Jesus. So here on Emmaus Road, with Jesus walking alongside them, Where are these two disciples going? They're going in the wrong direction. In Luke's gospel, the momentum is towards Jerusalem, not away from Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a city of the temple. It's a city of Jesus' triumphal entry. It's the, the city of the Passover celebration. It's the city of the crucifixion. It's the city of the resurrection. It's the city of the Holy Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost. And all the momentum is towards Jerusalem. And these two are going in the opposite direction. They're going away from Jerusalem. They're going away from the fellowship of all the other believers. Jerusalem was the the spiritual center of gravity. It's the place where salvation unfolds. But but if we're walking in the wrong direction, we're not going to recognize Jesus and we're not going to understand him. So that means our whole way of life must be conformed to him, if we're really going to see him on a regular basis, not just on a Sunday morning for an hour or so. I mean, this story is about seeing clearly. It's, a, it's about seeing and getting Jesus. And you know what I love about this walk to the village of Emmaus? Even though these two people are walking in the wrong direction, Jesus is right there by their side walking with them. I mean, I, I, I love that. Even if we walk in the wrong direction occasionally, Jesus walks side by side with us. He comes and joins us. We don't have a Savior who, who stands far away at a distance, unattached to our human experiences. He doesn't stand with his arms folded with a look, a real look, a stern look on his face, expecting us to come crawling to him. He pursues us. He comes to us. Do you see that in his story? He goes to them. And he really seems to have a special affection for those of us who are wandering in the wrong direction sometimes. Remember, Jesus said, I've not come for the healthy, but I've come for the sick. So if we're walking in the wrong direction, he comes after us. He starts with us where we are. And I've heard people tell me, well, Jesus loves me just the way I am. He loves me right where I'm at. I've heard that as just a lame excuse to keep living in a sinful lifestyle. I know it's true. I know Jesus loves us just the way we are, right where we are. But you know, he loves us too much to leave us there, right? Leaves us way too much to leave us there. He's got such much better plans for us than we do. And all his plans for our lives are good. And they're too good to just leave us where we're at. So he comes alongside of us to build this healthy, intimate relationship with us. He comes up alongside these two on the road to Emmaus, but like we said, they're kept from recognizing him. So Jesus Mm -hmm. initiates the action and he asks them, what what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? they stop short, sadness written across their face. Let's keep going. Verse 18, then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. Verse 19, Jesus asked, what things? Now remember, whenever Jesus asks a question, it's never because he's lacking information. Right? He's asked, he asks questions to reveal our hearts. That's why he's asking these. He wants to know where their hearts are at. So he asks them, what things? And these two are probably thinking, are you kidding me? you got to be kidding me. Don't you know what's happened in Jerusalem a few days ago? And he's like, no, no, talk to me. Tell me. Tell me what happened. The things that happened to Jesus. Notice how to refer to Jesus here. The man from Nazareth. Not Lord, not Messiah, just Jesus, the man from Nazareth. He was a prophet. Notice that? Past tense. Not he is a prophet. He was a prophet. A prophet. In their minds, it's all over. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was, again, past tense, he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be, comm- to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. See, they're not even blaming the Roman soldiers. They said our leading priests, our leaders handed him over. And they continue in verse 21 and 22. We had hoped, hoped, again, past tense, not we hope, he is the Messiah. We had hoped he was the Messiah. Do you see how their mind is, is it's already over in their minds. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. So they think, yeah, it's over. It's happened. He, he got crucified three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at the tomb early this morning. Maybe it's all the same day. And they came back with an amazing report. Verse 23 and verse 24. They said his body was missing. And they had seen angels who told them, Jesus is alive. Can you believe that? Some of our men ran out to see, And sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Now, if you remember, when the women came back to tell the men, it says they didn't believe him. They thought what they were talking about was nonsense, even though Jesus tried and tried and tried to tell them. This was what was gonna happen. They still didn't believe it. I think it was Peter and John, they run down to the tomb, they look around, and they don't, they don't see the body, and they wonder what's going on. They still don't get it. And Jesus just can't take it anymore from these two, so he, he's heard enough. Look what he says in verse 25 and 26. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures wasn't it clearly predicted yes it was wasn't it clearly predicted that the messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory the old testament prophets were prophesying this stuff these guys should have known that verse 27 then jesus took them through the writings of moses and all the prophets, all the prophets, and explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Wow, can you imagine that? Jesus is saying, listen to me, you two, and basically explains the entire Old Testament to them. Of course, back then it wasn't the Old Testament because it was just the Testament, I guess. it was just God's word, the Torah and the, the prophets. The entire Old Testament to them, everything the scriptures say about him everything and by now they've covered that seven miles from jerusalem and the disciples the two disciples they're they're at home it appears jesus was going on further but they invite him to stay the night with them i think it's not good to be out late at night by yourself that's still good advice today so jesus agrees to stay comes into their home i mean if they didn't invite him in he would have kept going right Jesus wasn't going to force his way into their home, and he won't force his way into our lives. If we don't invite him into our lives, he'll keep going. But if we do invite him in, he gladly comes right in. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God these two from Emmaus had the gift of hospitality. Think of what they would have missed out on if they didn't invite this stranger in. They might say, We don't know this guy. he seems to know a lot, but we, we don't know him. We better just call it a night and let him go on his way. So Jesus en- enters into the house as their, their guest. Still a stranger to them. They don't know who he is, but he's their guest. And after walking seven miles, I would think by now, just it would just be natural for them to be hungry and want to eat something. It's natural for me to be hungry after just walking seven steps, but they're, they're, they're large steps. Anyway. The Bible says when he was at the table with them, Jesus took the bread, he gave thanks for it, he broke it, and he began to give it to to them. Do you see what happened there? The roles are reversed. Instead of the homeowner, Cleopas, serving their invited guest, Jesus becomes the host. Jesus takes over. He takes the bread, he blesses it, he breaks it and serves them. Now they're the invited guests at the table, and Jesus becomes the host. And then in the breaking of the bread, their eyes were opened and they recognized Jesus. And before they could say, OMG, he disappears from their sight. Just like that. They've walked seven miles with this guy. They finally realize they've been in the company of the resurrected Christ all this time. And poof, he's gone. And the Bible doesn't say they opened their eyes and they recognized him. It says then their eyes were opened and they recognize them. See, there's a difference. Before, God kept their eyes from recognizing but says, man, their eyes were open. Sometimes we need our eyes open, don't we? I know I do. I might think I got my eyes open, but then I need my eyes opened. Anyway, then they realized, weren't our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Think about it. the Word, the Word who became flesh was explaining the Word. To these two guys. Wow. Can you imagine having that Bible study with the resurrected Jesus teaching it? No wonder their hearts were burning. The Bible says they got up, they returned to Jerusalem at once. They didn't wait around, did they? They're tired. They walked the seven miles. Now they're heading in the right direction. They're going back to Jerusalem. Think about this. When they were walking home from Jerusalem, going to Emmaus, it was afternoon. It was plenty of daylight. It was light all around them. They could see perfectly clear where they were going. But their hearts were heavy. Their hearts were broken. They were full of grief. They, they were just full of darkness. But now, now it's late. It's nighttime. It's dark out. It's all around them. But they're full of light now. Their, their hearts aren't dark now. They're burning bright. They weren't going to wait until the morning came. This news was too good to just sit on. They had to go tell the others now so they're on their way back to Jerusalem now. And I don't think it took them as long to get back to Jerusalem as it did to get them from Jerusalem to Emmaus. I think there was a brisker step. I think they, they had much joy and they were all excited. I think they might have even ran part of the way. And on their way back to Jerusalem, they're probably talking it over, decide, okay, how are we going to tell this story? Do you want to go first? Do, you, do we want to really describe how he walked with us? And, man, we didn't know it was him until we were in the house. Do you, do you want to describe how we thought he was leaving, he was keeping going, but we invited him in? Do you, do, you, do you want to tell him that part or should I tell him that part? Do you want to tell him how when he blessed the bread and he broke it, boom, and then we recognize it's him? Or should we just walk in and blurt it out, it's true, it's true. Jesus is alive. We saw him. We ate with him. So maybe they're discussing this on a seven-mile jaunt back. The Bible tells us when they got back to Jerusalem and they found the other disciples, before they could share their incredible news, the others told them, It's true. It's all true. The Lord has risen. He even appeared to Peter. Jesus is alive. And these two from Emmaus might have thought, Oh, man, (laughs) that was going to be our surprise to tell you guys we hurried back here to tell you this good news and man you already know about it well anyway listen to our story and they tell them all the details and while they're still talking jesus appears in this room now if you remember the directions to the women to tell the men were tell them to go ahead and meet me in galilee i will meet them in galilee but this group was still too afraid. I thought, oh, if they got Jesus, maybe we're next. They still locked themselves away in this upper room. So they still were in Jerusalem. They never went to Galilee. But what did Jesus do? He came to them. He wasn't in Galilee thinking, well, they ought to be here by now. He went to where they were, and he shows up. And his first words are, where were you guys? It was, peace. Right? Peace. And they're scared, they think uh, he, he's a ghost. And I thought, man, don't these guys get it? He says, peace be with you. So they're afraid. He said, relax. Everybody, just relax. He said, look at my hands. Look at my feet. It's me, okay? Look. Does a ghost have flesh and bones? And he says, you guys got anything to eat? And they give him a piece of fish. And I bet they all just stood there and watched him, watching him eat and chewing it. And said, oh, man, he's really eating that fish. And then he reminds them about what he had told them while he was still with them all before the crucifixion. The Bible says, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Don't you love that? He opened their minds. So, Lord, open our minds, too. Open our eyes, Lord, and open our minds so, so we can understand the scriptures, Just like Jesus opened his closest followers, he had to open their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Open our minds so we can understand the scriptures. Not just read the scriptures, but really understand what we're reading. Open our minds to that, Lord, please. Jesus told them again, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. See, we need to keep our eyes on Jerusalem. Jesus tells us, and we're told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but Jesus tells us, you're my witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, that's Holy Spirit, but stay in the city, Jerusalem, stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Notice the, the momentum is towards Jerusalem, not away from it, towards Jerusalem. And then Jesus' disciples, they go out to Bethany, says he blesses them, he gives them the great commission mentioned in Mark's gospel and Matthew's gospel, and Jesus makes his ascension into heaven. Now Luke ends his gospel with these words. They worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God few things before we open up the front for ministry if anybody wants prayer this morning. Sometimes we need to be reminded of what Jesus has already told us. I don't think he needs to tell us much new things. I think we just need to remember what he's already told us. Sometimes we can be so consumed with an event in our lives that that we don't even recognize him even though he's right next to us. And sometimes when we're walking in the wrong direction, he'll come He'll walk with us. He'll teach us the right direction. We need our eyes opened so we can recognize him. And we need our minds open so we can better understand him and his words. Look for Jesus in the big things because he's there. But look for Jesus in the small things because he's there too. But if Jesus is in them, they're no small things. They're all big things, right, if he's in them. So look for Jesus in all things, and look for Jesus all the time. Amen? Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. We want to see you. Let's pray. Stand with me if you're able. Lord, we've heard this story before. If if we've spent any time in the Bible or any time in church, we've heard about this guy, these people on the road to Emmaus, and it, just so much we can learn from from it, and so much we can learn about how how you interacted with them. You didn't tell them, "Hey, you're going the wrong way. Turn around, and go back." You didn't do that. You walked with them, and and I know when we're going the wrong way, you walk with us and you teach us the right way. And so I just pray for us, as individuals, as as married couples, as single people, as as parents, as grandparents, um, whoever we are, fathers, husbands, wives, mothers, help us, help us walk in your direction. Help us to walk with you. Let us hear your voice saying, "This is the way." Walk in it, Lord. Even when we wander, even when we walk away from you, you come to us. You you don't. Just stand there and say, well, you'll come back when you're, you're good and ready. I'll be here. No, you, you pursue us. You come after us. Forgive us where we forget these things that you've clearly told us in your word. All we have to do is open it. So open our eyes so we can see you and all you're doing. And then open our minds like you opened the minds of your disciples so we can understand the scriptures better. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen.